This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. We put something together late. We absolutely did um, and still uh, uh, did it against their good relievers, some some guys that are that are very tough. Um, uh, it, it wasn't enough. Um, you know, you look at the uh, four-game set and, you know, just how many how many things did we make happen, how many times did we get something going and then, and then push everyone across and... Uh, uh, you know, maximize our opportunities. We really, we really didn't do that. Does has Rocco risen to the level yet? Where, oh, maybe it's just me, but whenever he's trying to justify or talk after a game, it just drives me nuts. Is has he gotten to that point with you guys? You know that happens sometimes with coaches, where it's like, yeah. just, I don't know. He just attempts to talk in circles at times. That's the best way I can put it. He just really attempts to, like, you could tell he's pissed off, and and you could tell he wants to say more, but he doesn't feel comfortable, and so he says, so like he's just talking in circles. Like he's, it, it's just, yeah, it's annoying. Does does he not feel like he has the credibility in the clubhouse to just go nuclear on his team after they lose three out of four to the Tigers? Like what would what would happen like if he came out and said, "What happened this weekend?" Is he worried about disrespecting the Tigers or losing his clubhouse? Like, why are we talking about? Well, we did get some runs off a really good reliever late in that game. He's always a, who cares. Well, my observation of him though is he's always being very careful not to offend anyone, and so he talks like like you can ask him. He's been asked very simple questions about baseball itself. And he always like weighs things, so he's very careful not to offend the baseball gods or the baseball rules. May you know, like when's the last yeah. time? When's the last time that you saw him? In fact, I can answer this. The last time I saw him go scorched earth was the Toronto game here last year when they appealed it. I think it was Whit Merrifield sliding into home plate and said that he was not given a lane. And Rocco went scorched earth and said, that's BS, that's blah, blah. And that's like, yeah, that, dude, this is what we want. Yeah. Well, but, and that's awesome. And there is, there's a time to, to push certain buttons with umpires or the league, but there's also certain times to push certain buttons with your own team. Uh, yes. 100%. And unless he does it behind the scenes and we just don't see it or it doesn't work, <laughs> it I don't think he does it. He doesn't do it at the press conferences. And sometimes that's a great place to, to put something out there, but. It's all good fodder to get us into our Monday State of the Twins episode here of Minnesota Sports 
with Mackie and Judd, presented by our friends at Modest. Modest is just steps away from Target Field. Old Macadac this weekend. Uh, this is a, a glorious weekend here in the Twins. You had Stone Arch Fest going on. You had the Twins in town. You had all sorts of things. And so Old Macadac got himself into a couple uh, super deluxe premium lagers from our friends at Modest. And I might recommend, too, the Crooked Forest Smoked Lager in the Tap Room. Legitimately one of the best, most unique beers I've ever had. Uh, Dex, you're not in the neighborhood anymore, but uh, you can definitely speak to how awesome Modest is, too. Yeah, one of my favorite spots uh, in the North Loop. There's plenty of great options, whether you like sour beers or you like IPAs, you like a good Pilsner. That's usually what I like to go to, just a nice, easy, simple drink in Pilsner, especially on a hot day. We got 90s in the temperature all week. The Boston Red Sox are coming to town to Target Field. The Sox. The Sox. Why don't you have a Pilsner with your Sox friends at Modest, okay? Go to Modest Brewing, one of the (laughs) best spots in town in the North Loop. Go check out Modest Brewing. You can park your car. You can park your car. It's um, got smart modest, park on modest. It's got smart park. Modestbrewing.com, modestbrewing.com. All right, so State of the Twins, give you the overall snapshot, and then I will present to you guys, as we do every week, a handful of interesting categories for discussion. So the overall snapshot is their record remains 500, just as it was last week. They're 36 and 36. So last week, they were just a game and a half up on the Guardians. They just dropped three of four to the Tigers. <laughs> They've gained a game on the Guardians. They're now two and a half games up on the Guardians. The Twins offense ranks 20th in runs scored per game. The Twins fielding and pitching ranks third in runs allowed per game. So they're still yeah. top three in run prevention. Baseball reference gives the Twins a 73% chance to make the playoffs, 2% chance to win the World Series. Fangrass gives the Twins a 68% chance to make the playoffs, 3% chance to win the World Series. So any any thoughts on the overall snapshot before we get to the categories? Here? No, let's get to the categories of this pathetic collection. All right. So the first one, it, it's a good segue here. The first one is we keep waiting for the Twins to be good, but are they? So we're almost halfway through the season now, right? We've played 72 games, so we're nine games away from the halfway point. And the Twins are having an impossible time creating distance between themselves and the other teams in this division. And those other teams currently are 33 and 38, 30 and 40, and 31 and 42. If they were in the American League East right now, they'd be sixth place. You'd add a sixth team and they would be in last place. In last place, yep. 13 and a half games behind the Rays. And since sweeping the Royals, who are at 19 and 52, when they swept the Royals to start the season, they started 3 and 0. Since that point, the Twins are 33 and 36. So I just, I don't know, man. Like, they've got some good pitching. They've got some big names in their lineup, some young guys. They've got a Buxton, a Correa. They've got some guys. They've got household names in their lineup. But like, and we're just, oh, just, just give it more time. Give it more time. Well, They've been trying to win for three years, and, like, we keep giving it time, giving it time, and, yeah, injuries and bad luck and all this stuff. I just, I don't know. Are they just not good? First of all, we are so desperate after just a brief glimpse of success to say, that's it. They've turned it around. They beat the Brewers for two games, and the Brewers aren't that that good. In fact, the uh, the Brewers might fall into the same category that you said the Twins did, which is, are they good? And the answer might be no. Uh, but we are so desperate. You know, Carlos Correa hits a grand slam. Okay, Correa's back. It's all going to be good now. And the reality is this. I'm not even sure at this point in time, because this division such a cluster bleep and it's so bad. 
Um, when, when we talk about uh, separation, how about this? We're waiting for them to separate themselves from 500. Like we're waiting for this stretch of games where now it's okay. They're nine games above 500. They're playing well. It's sustained success. And every week that we do this, they're always creeping around it, right? Like they're always just bad enough to come down. They're a game under, then they're 500, then they might get two games over. And then we start the same vicious cycle. And yes, the pitching is good. But let's go back to yesterday again, you guys. It's a bullpen game. First of all, Rocco, it was a bullpen game. Now at the back end, Detroit's got some guys that can close the game out. But this, the Twins lost. Their only win came in their, on their bullpen day. And they lost two games to the Tigers on their bullpen day. Credit to my guy, Jose DeLeon, by the way, He's good. for uh, holding it down in the bullpen game. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But again yesterday, they come back from five runs down to get within two. Their bases are loaded and nobody is out. And they go Farmer fly out to left, Gallo strikeout, Buxton pinch hitting, looks at strike three. And this team is now 10 for 59 this season with the bases Loaded and their slugging percentage is 237 with the bases loaded. And again, yesterday, nobody's out. It's Detroit, which which came into this series one and eleven in June. It's so bad. The the bases loaded thing, it has to turn around at some point. But we keep but we also keep saying this. Yes. Like, are they are they just due to go gangbusters in July? You know, that's I don't know. I'm tr- I guess I'm trying to figure out they're clearly not playing up to their potential offensively, but to what extent are maybe they overachieving on the pitching side? I mean, Sonny Gray, the start that he got off to, clearly not replicable, right? And now he's kind of he's regressing a little. He's not getting shelled, but we keep saying the offense will come around. They're like obviously it's not sustainable to be 10 for 59 with the bases loaded with basically no extra base hits. Like at some point the the water's going to break the dam. But is the pitching going to come back? Are you still going to be a top yeah. three run prevention team when the offense breaks in July or whenever it's going to be? That's that's what we're trying to figure out here. And I'll go a step further. If you want to zoom out, it's not just the first three months of this year. The last three seasons, the Twins have been trying to win big. They haven't been rebuilding or anything. They came off the, the home run record-breaking season and playoff appearances in 19 and 20. They weren't like retooling or rebuilding. They were full go. So for those three years... The Twins are 22 games under 500, and they're playing at a 76-win average pace since the start of the 2021 season. And here's what's worse, okay? Over that stretch, it is the worst division in baseball. Only two total teams over those three years have finished above 500 in the American League Central. So you're trying to win. You're, you're, you're making trades that are win now, sacrifice future capital and prospects to bring guys in here right now. It's like they're just still struggling to pull away from the Tigers. It's just oh, the division. It's, uh, it's crazy at this point, but it's also a long season. So I'm trying to give room for. Right. But when do you, you know, like, but when do you, to, to your point from before, Phil, when do you sort of stop with that? Like, yes, it's a long year and things could, could change. But as you just said, they also could change where the bats get hotter, which. You would think at some point they're going to have to. And the pitching regresses because you would think at some point it probably will. So, like, when do we yeah. when do we get past the cue the Valley Sports North tune? When do we get past the, well, it's, you know, it's June. It's it's June. Just wait for, July, you know, at some point in time. Because every time before, every single time that they do something 
you know, Carlos Correa, Grand Slam. Okay, that's it. Floodgates, bases. This, this is going to end the ineptitude with the bases loaded, and then you get this weekend. Then you get Sunday. So I don't know how long we keep trying to claim small sample size when the evidence is mounting that it's just really not good. Yeah, and the the other thing I think, excuse me, that we cling to, if you're at least if you're old enough to remember the early 2000s twins, and so you probably have to be 25, 30 years old or older to remember two or three different times, 06 being the most notable. They were just toiling for the first three or four months of the year. 2009 was another one where, like in 2006, I think they were eight games under 500 at the beginning of June, somewhere in there. And then and Justin Morneau was, there was come to Jesus meetings behind the scenes because he couldn't hit. And then all of a sudden that team just goes crazy and takes off and finishes with 96 wins. They just, they were the hottest team in baseball. So we've seen the twins do this before where they get super hot, like halfway through or maybe even later and they go on a run, but I don't think that's the norm. And I'm trying to figure out like that. Oh, six team, that pitching staff had the two best starting pitchers in the game until Liriano, you know, blew his elbow out sometime in August. And then they also had, Joe Maurer in his prime batting title. You had Justin Morneau playing at an MVP level. Is Alex Kirloff going to play at an MVP level from this point going forward? Or Correa? I think you're going to need something like that where a guy just goes crazy, like Buxton snaps out of it and just, I'm going to put the team on my back. So, I don't know. Are they good? I That's think, the first category. And I, I think we're always looking for like historical evidence. Like we look at past Twins teams. Um, we brought up the fact early when they were pitching so well, their starting pitching was so good. Like, are they like the Giants, a, a team that won three World Series with just great starting rotations and basically mediocre at best offenses? Um, and the starting rotation has been really good this year. And I, I would rather trust a really good pitching staff over a really good lineup. Like, I'd rather take this pitching staff into a playoff series than the 2019 Bomba squad. I, that's the crazy thing. I agree. Yeah. This 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 current team, even though not as good in the regular season, probably has a better chance to win a playoff series than that team does. Yeah. I agree. So I'll take pitching over offense all day. But my God, like the, the, they are begging. This division is begging you to take it away. They lost three out of four to a team that's been horrible this month, and they somehow still gained ground. And I don't think that should be written off either. At, well, but hey, they're still in first place. No, 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 no. They should be running away with this division. It's yeah. awful. Yes. Yeah. So this series against Boston be really interesting to see who can stay out of the American League East cellar between uh, (laughs) Boston and the Twins. Okay, category number two here for you guys. The Jorge Lopez trade isn't working. So the Twins yesterday, I think they announced this after the game started too. This release kind of came out. They did, yeah. Like in the first inning. Yep. So they're going to give Jorge Lopez a 15-day mental health break he has allowed 12 earned runs over his last six innings. He has struck out only three of the last 40 batters he has faced. Yep. And now they're just kind of, they're trying to quietly just, they're going to move him over here, give him a mental health break. Do we have any more details on that? Rocco wouldn't go into details at all. He said, if he wants to tell you when he gets back, that's fine. I guess he was in the clubhouse on Saturday, uh, but then disappeared yesterday and they didn't, they did not give details. Yeah. So here's here's the issue. He made his debut in 2015, and I like it's. We don't know really what he's going through here. If he just needs a quick reset because it's just been going poorly for him. If there's something bigger, we just we just don't know details. So right now he's out with mental health issues. But if you want to zoom out to the trade and his career, 
So Lopez made his major league debut in 2015. 2015. He's had one good season. Yeah. And it was mostly with the Orioles last year. Yeah. He had a career ERA of 6.04 headed into last year. And then he was lights out for like three or four months. And that's when the Twins made the trade. But they were banking on a small sample size being sort of a new ground for him. And now he's gone back to what he was for the first six years of his career. So where's the outlier here? The outlier is the lights out all-star 2022 season. And that would be my my concern. And obviously, and we'll get into this more in category three, but one of the guys they traded for him is one of the best relievers in baseball this year. So it just, it didn't work last year and that it was supposed to be one of the final pieces to get you over the hump to make the playoffs and make a run. Like it was supposed to bolster your bullpen for a playoff run. Correct. That's and exactly you came right. nowhere near that. Yes. But then the good news was you get multiple years of team control. And so if it doesn't work out how you want in 2022, then you get him for 2023. And he's been a liability for you in 2023, unfortunately. So there's a lot to unpack here because I, I think it's it's a very interesting discussion because I think that you are exactly right. Jorge Lopez's team control was nice, but he was acquired because he was having a really good 2022 and he was acquired to help you make the playoffs, which at the time of the trade looked possible, right? So in my opinion, the trade was not made with, you know, he's going to be lights out in 23 and 24. That's what you hope for. But it was made with an immediate, okay, this guy's going to come in and bolster a bullpen that needs help right now. Um, but that being said, here's my bigger question. And you, you might get, get to this in Category 3, so forgive me if you do. But my bigger question is, what did the Orioles unlock in both of these guys? What did the Orioles unlock? Because you know what? Do you think, Phil Mackey, as a longtime baseball guy, scribe as well, do you think that if if it's it's Cano, right? If Cano had stayed here, if Cano was in St. Paul or in the Twins bullpen right now, do you think that he is having the success that he is in Baltimore? And conversely, do you think that Lopez remains far more um, of a guy who is solid in Baltimore because of what they un- unlocked? I think this is where yeah. my questions lie with what you're doing. I agree. I, I think you have to grant the fact that there is a certain randomness to relief pitcher sure. seasons that so, sometimes a guy just pops up and he's just oddly unhittable for, and, and then maybe the league catches up. And, and sometimes with relievers too, you don't get to see enough pitches from them. Even if you have a scouting report on them, it's like they're, they're coming in for short bursts and they're facing three batters, whatever. So it might take a year or two before a one trick pony gets figured out. I just wonder yeah, is there something? It's funny because Baltimore for years botched young pitching development. Yes. They had so many big-time arms. I mean, Dylan Bundy was one of them, right? Uh, wasn't Kevin Gausman also Gausman one of them? Mm-hmm. And and I could name probably five or six other guys. Uh, Jake Arrieta, where they go somewhere else, and, oh, they became the guy that Baltimore hoped they were getting, and now it's almost the opposite, where whatever they've found, whoever's, whoever's working behind the scenes there that maybe wasn't 10 years ago. But it, it, it maybe does get us into the third category here, which is asset management. Okay. And it's presented by the twins themselves. Okay. Just because we're, we're, we're coming in here and we're being the hard parents when it comes to the twins, but we were texting over the weekend too. Even when the baseball can be bad at times, 
It's the best bar in the Twin Cities. I was there uh, a couple times. Twins.com slash tickets. You were there a couple times this weekend. I was there yesterday, yep. Center field, oh man. Minnie and Paul's living it up. Oh, oh I love it's great. What we love to do sometimes is just buy a couple tickets and then never go to our seats. Yeah, that's what we did. bounce around, railings, bars. Mm-hmm. So twins.com slash tickets. And by the way, Royce Lewis, still really fun to watch. Kirloff, even when they're struggling as a team. Uh, twins.com slash tickets as the longest homestand ever continues with games against Boston here. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So the third category is asset management. And again, as mentioned before, I'm going to give you some trades the Twins have made in the last few years, the last two years specifically, that we've talked about, but we should go deeper on these because you're kind of bringing up an interesting point here about what's really going on behind the scenes. So these trades were designed to help the Twins win immediately, not just like get to 500, but to win, you make these trades to assure yourself playoffs, and then to make noise in the playoffs. Contending to win big, right? So you're, you're taking pieces that could help you in the future, either as players that come up in Twins uniforms or as assets that could be traded down the line for something that could help a team win now, right? So Jorge Lopez traded for Yenier Cano. Cano has he's allowed four runs in 36 innings so far this year. Four runs in 36 innings. And they also traded three other young pieces that haven't quite uh, emerged to the big leagues yet. But they gave up a lot in terms of just capital. And it might not be, they didn't give up their, like, number one prospect or whatever. But And maybe these guys do or don't pan out. But anytime you trade four things for one reliever, those are four assets that could either help you in a trade or could help you on your roster at some point, right? Tyler Malley with some known arm issues. Let's check in on that trade real quick here. Spencer oh, Steer, no. not the greatest fielder necessarily, but he's been one of the best rookie hitters in Major League Baseball. And then there's infielder Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's hitting 348 for AAA Louisville with an OPS of 1,100. Yeah, that's going to bite him in the ass. He'll be up at some point. Chris Paddock was acquired with a partially torn UCL at the time of the trade, along with Emilio Pagan, who's been one of the worst relievers in baseball for the last three away. years. The house guest that won't leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade was Taylor Rogers, and people made a big deal out of like, well, I mean, look, he was strugg- he struggled last year. Well, number one, remember, he wasn't struggling when the Twins traded him. He was an asset when the Twins traded This is about asset management. You have an asset in Taylor Rogers. What are you, what are you spinning him for? And number two, he's actually back to his old form this year. Yep. A 2.96 ERA with 12 strikeouts per nine, only one run allowed in his last 23 outings. Now, he was a free agent, so you could still make the case that like, he would have signed with the Giants or whoever anyways because he would have hit free agency. But right. I'm just saying like, he wasn't completely cooked. There's clearly gas left in the tank there. And then Brent Rooker was also part of that trade. He's cooled off a little bit, but he would be leading the Twins in OPS right now if you took his numbers with Oakland and put them in this lineup. 
And I'll give you one more here because it is relevant. So they traded two years ago for right-handed reliever Sean Anderson. I don't know if you guys remember this uh, guy. Yes, yes. He pitched four times for the Twins, got shelled, and then waved on June 18th, the, the same year. Like, they literally got him in the spring or whatever. And then they saw him four times. They waved him. Well, they traded Lamont Wade for Sean Anderson earlier that offseason. They chose Jake Cave over Lamont Wade, who currently ranks second in Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. So while the Twins offense is 20th in runs per game and 23rd in on-base percentage. The number one and number two on-base percentage guys in baseball right now are Luis Arise and Lamont Wade. All right, so this brings us to something that probably is going to drive some people crazy, but to me it's an absolute um, issue now is I sarcastically say the Twins seem to value strikeouts. And the amount that they strike out, and Phil, you've said this for a long time, and I think you're right, which is, okay, strikeouts might not be a death knell, but you don't put the ball in play. Like, if the ball is in play. We've gone too far. Yeah, we've gone way too far. Like, if the ball is in play, things can happen. Like, when Kyle Farmer flew out to left, the runner at third could have tagged. The left fielder could have dropped the ball. The ball was in play. Ultimately, you got nothing. But. In the in the big picture of things, it's far more productive than Gallo and Buxton striking out and giving you nothing. And I really think a rise in Wade and and Wade is probably Wade was probably the warning shot. Or a rise is the one that we that we will all talk about. But in both cases, I don't think that Derek Falvey valued what those guys brought nearly as much as a lot of teams do now. Yeah, but the ability to get on base. Yeah. yeah. This is what's funny about analytics. Like this is these are studies that go back to the Bill James era of like late seventies, early eighties analytics, and then certainly the early nineties or the uh, early two thousands with the Oakland A's and Billy Bean and Moneyball. The ability to get on base, this is going to be really nerdy, but stick with me, is almost two times as valuable as the ability to slug when it comes to run scoring and run production. Yes, and it's like the Twins in the Derek Falvey, Thad Levine era have sacrificed either knowingly or maybe just like obliviously, they've gone the opposite, which is they've kind of sold out for guys who can hit for power at the expense of on-base percentage. And to have two guys that were firmly entrenched in your system, and it wasn't like they had a bunch of all-stars blocking their paths, right? I mean, Luis Arise was your was your best hitter. And Lamont Wade... You're going to whiff on some guys. You're not going to be perfect as a front office, but what did they see in Jake Cave that they liked enough to keep him as the fourth outfielder over Lamont Wade? And then why are you trading a center fielder for an also-ran reliever that you wave after four outings in 2022 or whatever it was, 21? Like, there's just there's so many questions. And I know that apologists and twins gatekeepers can come in and they can... They can justify any one of these things, right? There's always a well, but well, yeah, but well, but like the col- the collective here right. is really damning. It's really damning. And if you want me to be even the uh, pocket protector there, I mean, the good trades that they've made, this front office. So I, I three that I wrote down that come to mind right away. The Joe Ryan for Nelson Cruz trade, good trade. That's a positive for the win. That's a win for the Twins. Joe Ryan's off to a great start. That was a solid trade. 
The Duran trade. They got, I believe, Duran for Eduardo Escobar three or four years ago. That was a really solid trade. Um, they traded Chase Petty, the 26th overall pick, to get Sonny Gray. Now, Petty is, <laughs> in rookie ball, playing pretty damn well. He's pitching really well, and he's 20 years old. And when 20-year-olds are pitching really well at that level, he's probably going to excel, and maybe he becomes a really good player. Those trades are good. Those are solid trades for the Twins. But the Lopez trade, the Mally trade, the Paddock trade, Pablo Lopez, I don't think we can grade that one quite yet, but Luis Arise is looking like basically Tony Gwynn in 2023. I don't think there's enough positives to outweigh the negatives. And I think there's enough damning evidence that is shifted on the scale that says, actually, they've made more bad trades than good ones. Yeah, it's, it's asset management. I think asset of, management. I think a big part of the problem, too, is this. You know, Derek Falvey was hired from Cleveland because he supposedly came from the franchise that had and continues to have the secret sauce to find pitching. And a lot of these trades that we're talking about were done out of desperation because he can't find pitching. And that, to me, is the biggest. And it's the problem in sports with hi- hiring an assistant coach from the Lakers. Kurt Rambis yeah. has titles. He's going to know how to bring a title here. He has no idea, okay? Falvey was what, Phil? The third guy, I think, in line, third or fourth guy in Cleveland. And the reality is he was hired to be unearth pitching. And that means from scouting. That does not mean from trades. And so, yes, every once in a while when you trade as many players as they have traded for pitching, you are going to hit on a Joe Ryan, and that's going to be a fantastic trade. But the reality of the the Pablo Lopez trade to me, and you know what? He's not been great. He's been solid, probably. I think that's a fair word. But the reality of that trade is you never have to trade Luis Arise if you have developed pitching. If you were doing what you were supposed to do, you would have never had to make that trade because you would have a a rotation with guys that you developed and drafted. That's what people miss. It's not about, it's not that Lopez, Pablo Lopez is bad or that you don't, like you want him in your rotation. He's struggled a little bit since he put pen to paper, but you definitely want a guy like that in your rotation. He's better than a replacement level starting pitcher. And at his best, he's a, he's a playoff rotation guy. But to your point, if you were doing what was advertised, you wouldn't be so quick to give up multiple years of cheap team control of one of the best young hitters in the game. So, and one more note on on base percentage too, like the Texas Rangers, for instance, are the highest scoring team in the game. And it's not, I think they've outscored the next closest team, the Rays, by 20 runs. And then the Rays have outscored the next closest team by 20 runs. So there's like a 40-run gap between the Rangers and the third-place team. And they are not among the top five home-run hitting teams. So, there's yeah, there's five teams that have hit 100 home runs. Uh, Atlanta, Tampa, the Cardinals, even though they're having a bad season. The Angels, the Dodgers. So, from what I can tell here... The Rangers are like sixth or seventh in home runs, but guess what? They lead the league in on-base percentage. Yep. They just constantly keep the chains moving. They have guys getting on, drawing walks, hitting singles, whatever. So, like for the for the, this is the one year too where they've gotten rid of the shift. If you put a ball in play, there's a higher percentage chance that it goes through for a hit now than maybe ever in the last five or ten years. And so, you now have the highest percentage strikeout team in baseball you are taking advantage of the new rules less than any other 
offense. Yes. <laughs> so just strategically, it, like it's, and I'm not saying they set out. They didn't set out to put a the number one strikeout team on the field. I don't think, anyways. But however they got here, it's uh, it's tough to watch. And then category number four here for you guys, as we continue our event session, the Twins have a Byron Buxton problem. Oh boy. So. Since returning from the injured list, he's now 0 for 13 with eight strikeouts. Yep. It's just, he does not look ready at all whatsoever, mentally or physically. Uh, He's seventh in OPS on his own team, a team that struggles to produce offense, right? Career lows in batting average right now and the lowest slugging percentage he's had by 100 points in five years. He's on pace to be worth one win above replacement if he continues playing like this. Yeah, and he can't, and and it's very very clear, he is not going to play the outfield in 2023. He might never play there again. They had a situation yesterday where they easily could have, after Michael A. Taylor got beaned and Buxton came in, I think they pretty easily could have just flipped Buxton uh, for what was left of that game, which was not enough to be concerned about. They actually got rid of the DH. Moran by the end of the game. Uh, Moran was in the lineup. Now, he didn't have to hit, but my point is Buxton could have just stayed in. So they most definitely have a Buxton problem. And I think if you look at his um, his uh, game-by-game stats for this season so far, too, you find that there are just these ebbs where he will get hot, but then they just crash down. And then so, like, the consistency is gone, too. It feels like him DHing full-time might have caught up to him a bit as well. Like, I don't know how, because that's a tough job. I'm not making excuses, but I agree completely. There's a problem here. Like, I wouldn't just dismiss this. Oh, it's no problem at all. Mm -hmm. Because every time he gets hot, and again, this goes back to what we keep saying, which is, okay, now it's arrived. Every time that happens with this team, especially with the bats, the regression sets in very quickly, and we end up having the exact same Monday conversation that we probably did two Mondays ago because they can't get over that hump, and Buxton's included. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like there's never any there's never any problem. There's always nothing to see here when it comes to a franchise that has gone quite literally two decades between playoff game wins. And I know there's been different regimes of front offices, different managers, obviously different rosters, same ownership, by the way. Um, I just got it. It's just. I just wonder, like, if you dig beneath the surface here, where are we at? Seven years into the, I'm not a guy that personally likes to like to, to come on these shows and call for heads and like this guy needs to be fired or whatever. But like, what are we doing here with some of these moves? What are we doing here with the vision of the future? What are we doing here in this garbage division, struggling to stay ahead of the Guardians and the Tigers? Yep. You know, it's we're seven years in. It's not a rebuild. This is not a rebuild at all. These oh. last three seasons, and they're 22 games under 500. So there's. There's room. I think there's room to say, let's let the season play out and see how this carries forward. But I think there's also room for, what are we doing? And I think within the season, though, it's fair to ask this question. What are they going to do about it? Like, that's my question as well. Got to fire another trainer, I think. Nothing, yeah. I I, I, I don't even know what You think Papa is. Resta not doing Papa the job? Resta. Papa yeah. Resta, the greatest name ever. Um, but what are they going to do about it? Like, are they going to do a thing? It just feels like they are very content at times to spin their wheels and be fine with that. And that's what I don't get. You know, Rocco, basically, his 
antidote to any problems are I'm going to juggle the lineup a bit, which he does a ton. And beyond that, what really changes? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a real interesting fork in the road here, I think. And they're very, very lucky that this division does not have a second viable team because well, yeah, but- I do wonder what, what, what it would look and feel like if they were sitting, you know, eight or nine games back of Cleveland or something. You know, it does. It doesn't look as bad because they're in first place. Same as last year, by the way. And and we were sitting here being negative on this show, and I get it. While they're in first place, like you should consider trading Carlos Correa. He's a free agent. Like, well, no, you can't. You're in first place. You watch enough baseball. You think this is a team that's going to continue? Yeah. Like like, open your eyes. And I don't. This this team. I th- I actually do think this team has better bones than last year's team. So that's why I'm not fully all in like I was last year uh, in terms of criticizing them, but we're halfway through here and they continue to just spin their wheels. But that so. disgusts me more. The, the fact that the pitching is the starting pitching has been this competent and that they are, they have no business being in first place. The two central divisions in baseball are just make me want to puke. The twins have no business being a, a first place team because there's no reason why they're, not superior. They've got yeah. the pitching. Get, you know, we are almost to July. We are almost to July. And the approach to the plate stinks. Again, I, David Popkins, I wouldn't know him if I pass him on the street. But, you know, can't we do something? Are you telling me that this team offensively is this bad and no one's to blame at all? The hitting coach is doing nope. a great job. No one's ever to you blame. Know, and, can't blame anyone. And Rocco, blame. Rocco got pissed off on Friday, I guess, because Tommy Watkins screwed up again at third base. And he's like, well, I, I guess his quote was, well, we don't talk about the good sense. The Twins tolerate poor performance as an organization more than any team that I've ever seen in the last 20 years that aspires to be great. Because I think, I think at their heart, I do think they like to win big, but I think the Polad family is also so, like, they're so hands-off in so many right. ways. Yes. Or they're just, like, they're not, it's not like a family full of sharks. You know, I'm now in season three of succession, for instance. And if you're looking at like the opposite of that family, it would be the Polad family. We're in a, in a perfect world. They wouldn't ever hold anyone accountable. Everything would just be kumbaya. It's like, there's some really nice people in that family and they would just like, let's just keep going for, we can make it work with everyone we have. Let's just hold hands and move forward. And, uh, I don't know, but. It's the you know, like the attendance. I mean, they're averaging twenty two thousand fans. They're like in the bottom ten in attendance once again across Major League Baseball. If not for T Pain packing the house last week, maybe that's the strategy. Hell yeah! Let's just get let's just put T Pain on retainer and bring yeah. him in for uh, you know sixty home dates. But yeah, it's I don't know, man. They're just but then it just kind of feels like oh whatever. Like if maybe they'll miss the playoffs again this year and just oh whatever. We'll just. We'll come back well, next year, TC. Yeah, He's hit some bombs yep. before the game. Like that's what it yep. feels like every year with this franchise. Throwing out one of the first seventeen <laughs> first pitches, and the other thing that drives me absolutely up the wall is that <laughs> that the lack of accountability for anybody in that franchise is incredible. Like nobody is accountable, and they are repeating. Look, it was Jim Pole at the time, and Terry Ryan was his. GM, but before Terry basically said, don't fire Paul, fire me, Terry Ryan was told, you have a lifetime contract. And here's my question. Since turning over the reins to Derek Falvey, what has changed between how, like, what did they learn 
from basically telling Terry, your job is in perpetuity. It's never going to be in trouble. And now, yes, Joe Polat's in charge. And yes, Derek Falvey is younger and a much different person than Terry Ryan was. But nothing's changed. It's the exact same thing. These guys are being allowed to run amok because they came in and said, analytics. And the Twins are like, oh, my God, thank God. We're, you know, and, and they're spending tons of money. If if nothing else, if you're Joe Polad and Jim, wouldn't you want, Phil, a return on your investment? So, like, when, when Baseball Ops comes and says, we got to install six more cameras. In fact, we're going to have drones flying over, taking everybody, you know. <laughs> wouldn't you say, okay, that's cool. What are we getting for this? Yeah, certainly not more. I mean, certainly not more wins. No. At least in, in the last three years. They definitely got wins early in the regular season and and a few more division title banners. But... I would just think that the shame and embarrassment as an ownership group, because the ownership group has been around for the whole shebang going back 20 years, right? The shame and embarrassment of not winning a playoff game in 18 tries dating back to George W. Bush's first administration. If they, and, and it's unfair to, to, to bring it up, you know, ad nauseum without them getting a chance to win a playoff game in October. Cause like, I get, they can't win a playoff game tomorrow. But if we get through another October and they haven't won another playoff game, just out of, like, embarrassment, shame, and respectability, don't you have to shake the tree to some extent? Be like, guys, what, yes. are we, what are we building here as a, as a family and as a franchise? What, what do we want our legacy to be? Car, you know, the, the Carl generation of poll ads won the two World Series. The kids and the grandkids, what, what do we want to continue to be? The laughing stock, and sometimes I don't even think they're a laughing stock around the country because I think it's not even publicized much that they are 0-18 dating back to 2004 in playoff games. And I don't think you fire people for the sake of firing people. I just think like the rest of the season, if I am running this franchise from an ownership perspective, my respectability and credibility should be at stake to some extent, right? Like let's treat this seriously uh, as seriously as you can treat, a, you know, sports, which is in the fun bin of life. I get that. But I don't know how you can keep watching it year after year and not be more forceful in what you demand in terms of accountability. But it's the business bin, too, though. Like, to to your point, if you go back-to-back years in this division without making the playoffs, which you're not going to do unless you win it, and the last two years, this thing has been beyond winnable, you got to do something. You can't just sit there and take it and be like, it's, you know, if you were in the American League East, okay, sort of sucks, but damn, man, we got some good teams in there. If Cleveland or the White Sox jump you, I don't care. It's, an, it's a joke. It's an embarrassment. You've got to change something. Yep. So, all right, well, a shout out because that was a great therapy session to our throttle therapy friends at Power Lodge and Miller Marine. I need them. Pick your power and head to Power Lodge. Locations in Brainerd, Onamia, and Ramsey, the largest Bennington dealer, uh, Miller Marine and St. Cloud, in the country. These Bennington pontoons, Judd, starting at $24,990. Oh, that's a heck of a deal. And look at the relaxation. You know what? I can see myself being so driven by this baseball team that I do a flip off of Bennington because I know that when I get out of that (laughs) water, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be, I'm going to get all dry, probably enjoy a beer and enjoy throttle therapy, which as I keep saying in this town for our teams, throttle therapy, the only way to go. Enjoy the summer.
LFG. Let's get it. All right. Throttle therapy at powerlodge.com and millermarine.com. There was your state of the twins presented by modest brewing, a great needed therapy session twins. All right. Hopefully that inspired you to go. I don't know when, uh, like five more games between now and Monday. We will, we will find out.